Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Now, let's talk about a new survey that has come out from Hydric and Struggles, of course, the international search firm. It's released its annual Route to the Top report, which looks at top leadership appointments at some of the largest publicly listed companies in 25 countries, including uh, countries in APAC. You know, Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, Singapore, and uh, is analyzing the CEO profiles of of what's happening. Let's bring on now to talk with us more about that, Jat Hui Wu or Wu Jat Hui, partner in charge at Hydric and Struggles in Singapore. And good morning to you, Jat Hui. How you doing? I'm very good. Good morning, Glenn. How are you? Good, good. Great to see you with us today. And talk to us about this Route to the Top report. Give us the overview. Uh, I, I assume it's uh, something you do every year. And any any big uh, surprises with this report as a, as a top-level uh, discussion? Yeah, so it's a report that we publish every year. So as you mentioned earlier, we really look at top leadership appointments at the CEO level across global listed, uh, you know, companies. Um, and then we sort of distill down and break them down into the regions itself. Um, you know, I guess given, you know, in Asia, I think, uh, and being in Singapore, there are a couple of, uh, you know, interesting highlights. Uh, as I look at the uh, numbers and data versus, you know, the rest of APAC and the rest of the world. Um, you know, so I think the four key highlights, uh, you know, of the report, um, you know, good news on the gender diversity front. We are making progress and moving in the right direction. So 13% of the appointed CEOs in Singapore were female. So it looks like a low number. But then actually, if you look at global average, that's at 7%. And uh, if you look at Singapore stats itself, the 13% is uh, it's actually an increase from previous year 11% and 9% in 2020. So oh, that sounds like a good, a good news story, huh? Yeah. yeah. We look at that. Yeah. yeah. We're was, moving in the right direction, for sure. Lots more work needs to be done there. Uh, but, you know, at least uh, if we keep up the trajectory and uh, the direction, I think we will, you know, hopefully in time to come, get the numbers up to, uh, you know, a lot higher than we wanted to see. Mm. I mean, based on that, uh, Jiat Hui, you're right. I mean, it's almost double the global average. Yes, of course, far too low. 7% is far too low for female CEOs. But the fact that Singapore is almost double, as you mentioned, 13%. Is there anything in your research or data to suggest why that's the case? Why Singapore is almost double the global average? So I think it's, uh, you know, it's definitely... Diversity is becoming, you know, uh, table stakes these days, right? Um, top of mind for a lot of clients that we work with. Um, you know, part and parcel on what we do is, of course, you know, finding the best person for the job, but also thinking out of the box on how we can actually, you know, promote diversity, how we can actually, you know, um, you know, bring in um, diverse talent into the organization, right? Who might not take all the boxes in terms of the job fit, but uh, actually it's a good fit in terms of, you know, their, um, their personality, their culture fit, and as well as their leadership competencies itself. Hmm. Um, so that I think that's the that's that's what we advise companies and work with them on. Yeah. Fascinating. What about uh, diversity, board diversity? This is a, always a hot topic globally, uh, and, and it seems like it's getting better in Asia. Are, are we are we caught up, or are we uh, parity with what's happening in the West? 
So um, I think it's it's definitely a lot more that can be done. And if you look at bulk diversity, I really look beyond just gender diversity itself. It's really the composition of the board, right? Is it really fit for purpose based on the, uh, you know, the organization's business strategy, what they are looking to do in the future, right? Um, do you then, you know, have the right skill sets at the board level to take the organization to the right level? There's a fascinating statistic that stood out for me, particularly in regards to Singapore. More CEOs appointed internally. But Singapore, in Singapore specifically, their company, companies have a strong preference for internal appointments of 80%, which is way above the global average of 64%. So clearly here in Singapore, we like to promote from within. Why is that? Well, so this, uh, it could be an indication of the preference for a trusted pair of hands to steer the ship. And it could be also because we did spend two years in COVID, right? And navigating through the pandemic, it's not something uh, that anyone has experienced before. Um, so it's if there's somebody that has, you know, knows the company, knows the business inside out, right? That's probably the safer route to go for is to appoint somebody that's, uh, you know, that's already in the company itself. Um, and, and, you know, that's a very interesting stat because mm-hmm. it is actually the highest in APEC, is also highest globally, right? So the next was actually funds at 75%. So it's, uh, you know, I think it's great news to see our companies, right, Singapore companies growing their own timber. Um, it's, it's a great thing. And it's always good to see big roles going to the internal candidates. I think it makes mm. for good employee retention. It's great for, you know, the, uh, you know, people who actually stay in an organization for a long time. Um, clearly, there might be some downside risk to it. It's, uh, you know, of course, if appointees have been in a company for too long a time, um, actually, if you look into the details itself, average time to appointment is about 11 years in, this, uh, in the organization before they get appointed. So the downside mm. is that you do miss out on the outside in perspective mm. that uh, you know, an external appointment can bring. Um, you might miss out on some of the key learnings uh, you know, from other organizations in the market. Right? Yeah. So it's, there's no, you know, I think it's great. I, I do encourage uh, organizations to think about building their own uh, you know, internal pipeline because that's the long run, the more sustainable, um, you know, option mm. to ensure you have that pipeline. Um, but, you know, if they were to do that, they really need to ensure that they have a structured approach to succession planning um, and that they actually, you know, think about this ahead of time plan ahead and you have robust succession plans in place. It certainly was the stat that stood out to me the most because the perception or stereotype, especially if you go on social media, is that there are not enough local hires. I put that in inverted commas. And that companies are quick to bring in the expat package and not promote from within. And yet this seems to say, suggest the complete opposite of that, that we are happy to keep staff, to retain staff, to improve local staff. So I'm fascinated by the possible sense of not a contradiction but it doesn't conform to that stereotype of oh we always recruit from outside we never take local hires and and so on you know so i think uh, if you look at it when we when when an organization think about uh you know who they have i think it's really you know 
it's a combination of factors, right? Do you, what, do you have the skill sets that's required for the future itself? Do you have enough people who actually understand the fabric and the business of the organization? Thirdly, is there really a culture fit and an understanding of what it is like to be successful in an organization? So if you look at these three points, right? Typically, you know, I think the easiest time when you go outside is that when there is an obvious gap in terms of the skill sets, right? Mm. Um, you know, for instance, if you think about okay, I need to take the business uh, regionally and I do need a CEO who actually understands a multi-geography experience. You know, I don't have somebody right now that mm. looks like this. Yeah. You know, I, and internally has been always very domestic focused, right? So that's when you go outside. Mm. And Jia, then, Jia, you know, Jia Hui, course, uh, sorry, can sorry. I just have you pause for just a moment? Yeah. I have to do a quick mobilization announcement, then we'll come right back to you, okay? All right, Got step, it. step by, thanks. Units and resource owners designated the following code words are activated for a SAF open mobilization and civil resource requisition exercise. Highest peak, strategic barrack, shoe string, pipe down. All personnel mobilized are to report to the mobilization centers immediately. Civil resource owners are to report to the equipment marshalling areas with your equipment immediately. All right. Thanks, Jahui. We are back with Jahui Wu, the partner in charge at Hydric and Struggles in Singapore, talking about their route to the top report, looking at top leadership appointments and uh, some of the biggest publicly listed companies around APAC and, and the region. And I'm sorry, I, I had to cut you off there. I do apologize, Jahui. Please uh, do carry on. Right. Um, yeah, I think we were talking about, uh, you know, the balance about grow, uh, going external yeah. and uh, grooming internal talent. Um, so to my point, I think when you go external, when it's when there is a lack of the skill sets, right, uh, within the existing organization. And that usually happens when the company needs to pivot to a new business strategy, to new markets. Um, and that's when, you know, it, you will benefit in from an outside in perspective. Um, so that's that's typically, you know, a strong reason on why actually people go external. Mm. And then after that, if you look at it, right, it's talent is getting more and more expensive. There is definitely, mm. you know, a competitive market out there for the top talent. Is it sustainable to keep hiring externally and paying top dollar to bring in somebody, right? And then that's where the next next level of thinking is. Once you get somebody who can actually bring the value at an outside-in perspective. The next step is how can you then groom your internal talent pipeline to take up the, the, the big job when the time comes, right? Yeah. And I think that's where Hydric, uh, you know, I, and, and myself, I do have a strong belief that succession planning uh, is actually a multi-year project. It's not something that happens when, oh, the CEO is going to retire in one year's time. So let's activate and think about what we need to do it. Mm. Next, it's a continuous process because your business evolves, your competitor, uh, competitive landscape evolves, right? It, it's not static. So you always need to evaluate the, the profile, right, of the CEO that you need to make sure that they are future ready for what you want to do in the next five years. Yeah. And sure. from there, that's when I say starting early is important. Then yeah. you think about do we have the right profile? And then you bring in the right people at the point in time to transition into the new role. 
Jeff, we, we know that it costs more to bring in somebody into a company rather than keep people in the comp- you know, use people in the company and just upskill them, upgrade them. And it takes months for them to get used to the culture and know the people and the processes and all that. So we, we, I think over time, people have always acknowledged that it's, it's more expensive and time consuming to bring in somebody new than to, uh, you know, kind of reorganize and, and get somebody from within. Uh, but are you hearing that from your from your search clients? Are they now, you know, basically saying to you, look, we, we need to do a search for X position, X high level position. We want you to look internally first and then look externally, or are they still doing a dual strategy? Let's look at both and see what we got. Has the, has the priority really shifted very purposefully to the internal candidates? So what we have noticed is that, you know, everyone now wants to make sure that they have the best person in the job itself, be it whether it's internal and external, which means to do that, you need to have a good understanding of your external talent landscape and you have a very good grasp of, you know, your strengths and gaps of your internal talent itself, right? And you need to then, uh, you know, put both of them on equal weighing scales. So what what I've seen, you know, of late is definitely... um, you know, there will be strong internal candidates um, that the company has already identified who can be a, you know, good successor. But at the same time, uh, you know, you do will conduct an external, you know, market benchmarking exercise uh, and uh, external search to to see what options you have out there. Mm. And then you bring both internal and external, go through the same evaluation process, go through the same interview process itself. And that's actually, you know, uh, to ensure that you have the best person in the seat and you appoint the best person in the market for the job. Uh, it's a it's a it's an urgently important topic, uh, Jat Hui, and we appreciate your time today, uh, looking at this report, and hope to have you on the, in the future, Jat Hui Wu, the partner in charge at Hydric and Struggles in Singapore. Uh, thanks for being with us on Money FM today. Thank you very much, Glenn and you. Thank you. Have a great weekend. See you. Bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.